1: Hello and welcome to the 12 Days of Christmas, where we are hung, much like stockings by the chimney with care. I am Dame Brian Moylan, and today I am here with Romaine Patterson, next to Kristen Stewart, my favorite lesbian in the whole world. She has been hosting the Derek and Romaine show for 17 billion years. Uh, if you don't listen to it, you're an idiot. And welcome, Romaine Patterson. Merry Christmas to you. Oh, uh, well,
2: Merry Christmas to you as well. What a jolly season to get to see you.
1: It's always exciting. I've been on your show like 17 billion times. I always get random people in my DMs like, oh, I love you on Derek and Romaine. And now you're here in my Christmas cavern.
2: I know. It's kind of wild. I'm excited. <laughs>
1: So we're gonna talk about your favorite Christmas okay. movie in a minute. But before we get there, yes. Romaine Patterson, are you a Christmas person?
2: Uh yes and no.
1: Okay. So
2: I love presents because uh, I like to receive things. So that is my favorite part of Christmas, is all the presents that I expect to receive. So yes, I love that. Here's what I don't love about Christmas. Decorating because (laughs) my family, we have a lot of Christmas decorations, like a lot. And it's exhausting. Like putting up the tree with all of its five million ornaments takes all day long. And I don't have the energy for it. And then all the stuff that just like it, like Christmas pukes on my house. And so then I'm like, I don't like a lot of clutter. So then the house feels extra cluttered. And yet I buy this stuff. I buy this stuff every year to put out just to make myself (laughs) miserable. I think like I have this amazing Christmas village. You wouldn't believe. And yet I cannot wait to have it all taken down after Christmas. Like literally the day after Christmas, I'm like that tree comes down everything gets put away. And, and, I I won't decorate the tree anymore. So now my wife is in charge of all things Christmas tree because I really don't. I will unwrap the ornaments so that she can hang them. But that's about about it.
1: Uh, Do you do the outside of the house too?
2: Okay. So again, I refuse to do certain things. I'm not (laughs) climbing up on the roof when it is cold and it's so cold that your fingers can't move to put the lights on. So I don't do that. So if Iris, my wife, wants it done... She can climb on the ladder and almost fall off the roof, but I'm not I will I will hold the ladder. I will <laughs> You'll hold direct- the string of lights for her, but I'm not I'm not in charge of it. She's in charge of all forms of decoration. I've I kind of started protesting a few years ago and that was it.
1: I kind of feel I I was feeling like outdoor lights might be enough of a lesbian DIY home project that you might be into it, but Clearly not.
2: No. The only decoration I really get into is my Christmas village. So I have a, like a, I had to build a giant tabletop for all of my Christmas village stuff because every <laughs> year I buy my, and really it's not even my Christmas village because I bought it all for my wife. So like our Christmas village is the most wackadoodle thing you've ever seen. There's uh, Hogwarts castles and <laughs> Harry Potter Christmas stuff on one side, there's Christmas vacation. Stuff on one side, then there's like a whole Mickey Mouse zone filled with Mickey Mouse Christmas houses and, and characters. It's crazy. And then we have a Hogwarts train that goes all the way around it. Like it's, it's a wild Wild Christmas village.
1: And so this is a mishmash of everything. You're not like collecting a set. You're just like, oh, I like this. (laughs) I like pulling from everywhere.
2: Yeah. Like my wife is a hardcore Christmas vacation, like National Lampoon Christmas vacation. Oh, uh, I watch it every year. Yes. Religiously. I used to love that movie until I had to watch it every year for 20 years. (laughs) And then I was like, oh. Okay, maybe not so much anymore. I'm done with it. But now in Revenge, I make my wife watch um, uh, Best Little Horror House in Texas, because I think of that as a Christmas movie. And so... That's how I pay pay her back.
1: So when I, uh, <laughs> we had this Fire Island house one year and it had a VHS player. Awesome. It was like so old and like it, that it had a VHS player, but you couldn't rewind on the VHS player. So you could only watch the tapes like once, but you can buy used VHS tapes on The internet for so cheap, they're like $2 a piece that they're basically just like reusable movies, whatever. And so I bought a ton of VHS tapes and we just watched them all once. And one was the best little whorehouse in Texas. And that's an amazing Amazing. movie, if only for the locker room scene, as far as I'm concerned.
2: I mean, knowing you as well as I do, I totally understand.
1: I mean, a production number with (laughs) naked men in a locker room and Dolly Parton, like what is not to love?
2: I mean, there's everything. To, I'm telling you, there's everything to love about that movie. It's a great movie and it has my favorite Christmas song of all time, Hard Candy Christmas, in it. So as far as I'm concerned, Christmas movie. That, I, there's nothing else about it that's Christmas except for that song.
1: What was Christmas like in your household growing up?
2: Okay. my First of all, you have to understand that I had an amazing family. So my mother and father were married. They were you know, very young when they got married. They had eight children. We were not a wealthy family by any stretch, but we really take family seriously. So Christmas in my family is crazy. First of all, my dad would go out and cut down a Christmas tree Uh, He was very Clark Griswold in this way. From a Christmas tree farm or
1: just like from the wilderness of Wyoming?
2: Oh, no. We went into the mountains and (laughs) cut down a Christmas tree like straight up. It was terrifying and fun. And my dad, oh, he never picked a good tree, like never. So he would have to do this thing where he would drill holes into the tree and shove branches into it to fulfill the, the fullness of the tree. Then he would create, like, one of those those cross things for the bottom of it. He would pound nails into it, and then he would put it on the floor. But the tree was all, first of all, it went in this huge archway in our house. So we always had, like, 12-foot trees, maybe even bigger. They were huge. And he had to hammer the, the cross beams into the floor to keep the tree standing up. And then he often had to wire it to the wall to ensure <laughs> that it was not going to fall over, Right. And then my whole family, we would get together, we would decorate the tree, all the kids. It was a whole thing. We had amazing ornaments uh, that were there year after year after year, and each kid added their own ornaments and it became a whole thing. And then my mom was very Catholic, so a Catholic priest had to come over and bless our house and our Christmas. Oh my god, that is with some holy water. Right, holy water all over the tree. We'd have a big feast. Uh, Christmas has always it has always been one of my favorite holidays from a family perspective. I usually spend Christmas with at least one or two of my siblings. I haven't gotten to do it in a couple of years because of COVID and everything, but. I am going to see my family this year. Uh, and usually I feel bad for my wife because she always has to work on Christmas because she works in a movie theater. And I'm like, bye, babe. I'm leaving you. <laughs> I'm off to see my family. And so Christmas for me is all about family. It's all about great food. My family knows how to cook. And usually it's about an amazing Christmas tree that could fall over at any second.
1: And how yeah. did your Christmases change once you had a daughter?
2: Uh, So I, you know what? I, it really hasn't. <laughs> I think the big, I just, again, it's still about like spending time with my family. Like Romy, ever since she was a little girl, she's always gone home with me for the holidays to see the family and celebrate with the family. And so she just gets kind of thrown into all these crazy uh, family traditions. I think the best thing about it is the magic of Christmas. So in my heart... I am like a sixteen-year-old boy, right? I, I will always just forever be stuck as like a teenager, and I believe in Christmas magic. Like I'm that kid who, even as an adult, will buy a present and put it under the tree, something I really, really want, and say it was from Santa. And so, for, for me, yourself. like creating, yeah, oh yeah, totally. Because I want, I want to believe Santa still exists, even though. I know, but I'm like, no, no, Santa's still real. Like Santa brought me this present and I'll make it look like it was from Santa. Like I'll decorate it in like the fanciest wrapping paper with the fanciest bows and I'll get wrapping paper that we don't use as a family. Like, you know how you have like those one or two rolls and you always just use them over and over again. I'll get something fancy and different and that's the only present I'll wrap like that. I'm... Hardcore. I believe in the magic. So for me, I think having a kid, it's been all about creating that magic and making my kid believe. Now my my child is fourteen years old now, so the magic is slowly. Dis- she wants nothing to this do with magic. You. Is oh yeah, totally. But the magic is slowly dissipating for my child, and I still try to keep it alive. Like I'm like, oh no, that elf in a shelf didn't come because you didn't believe. <laughs> so yeah i'm a little bit ridiculous and i'm like the less you believe in santa the less santa brings for you which i mean is horrible but it's what i do and uh so my kid last year didn't i think much. that is completely
1: valid right if that you don't completely believe valid. how
2: is santa gonna be- santa's not
1: bringing you crap exactly if someone didn't believe in me i wouldn't give them anything
2: right exactly so you want to hear the funniest thing i did though with santa gifts to myself so when i was a teenager I think I was a senior in high school. I really wanted a new leather jacket because I had one, but it wasn't the one I wanted. I wanted like a hardcore biker jacket. And so my parents went buy it for me. And all of my brothers and sisters were there. My brother Michael, who was my favorite, was there. And I bought myself the leather jacket. And I didn't tell anyone. And then on Christmas Eve, after all my parents had gone to bed, I went out and I hung it by the fireplace. And I said, To Romaine love Santa. <laughs> Right. (laughs) So then the next morning, Christmas morning, I get up and I hear my parents in the kitchen with my brother, Michael. And my mom's like, which one of you did it? Which one of you bought that damn leather jacket for her? I want to know. And my dad's like, I didn't buy it. My brother's like, I didn't buy it, mom. I wouldn't do that. And everyone's like, she was so mad because she didn't want me to have it. And I come walking out and I'm like, oh my God. They never knew. I never told anyone.
1: (laughs) And have you subsequently
2: told anyone? No. God, no, I'm not. I'm not going to reveal my Santa secrets uh, to this day. girls still... don't
1: let them listen to this podcast. We're going to well, ruin all three your family. of them are dead,
2: but the rest of them are alive. But no, I would never tell. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good secret.
1: Oh, my God. I usually make it known that I clearly know I bought this gift for myself. But I think everybody deserves – when you go Christmas shopping for everybody else and you spend a day, like, I don't, whether it's on Amazon or at the mall or wherever you do your Christmas shopping – You deserve at least one nice thing for yourself.
2: I have to. I have to buy a Christmas present for myself. And it's not even about that I think I need to be spoiled. It's that if I don't buy myself a Christmas present, I'm not going to get anything I actually wanted. My wife is literally the worst gift buyer ever. She tries, bless her heart, but she's not good at it.
1: My husband is the same way. He's one of those people who buys you what he wants.
2: Yes. My wife does the same thing.
1: He has very good taste. He likes expensive things. I'm not complaining, but it's like, I know he didn't think, what does Brian want? Whereas I'm like you know what does that person well i think that i'm a very good and thoughtful gift giver
2: i know this about you
1: um and so i try to go out of my way every year to think of something that he would like that he wouldn't think of for himself and he's always surprised and very happy And, and for a few years when we were first together i was like oh he's really bad at this and i was like disappointed and whatever but now i've just like accepted it
2: no i'm gonna teach you the trick You have to make an Amazon wish list. You make a list (laughs) of all the things. And what I do is I add to my wish list all throughout the year. I'm like, oh, here's something I would love to buy, but I'm not going to buy it for myself. But I'd like to have it, but it's not something I'm going to buy for myself right now. And I make a whole list all year long. And then in like October, November, I just send my wife a link to the list. And I'm like, here's my list. Now I'm never disappointed.
1: So, Romaine Patterson, what is your favorite Christmas movie slash special that we are here to talk about today? Well, you know,
2: I have to say this was a hard one because I really love Christmas movies, like not the Hallmark crap. I don't like that stuff. I don't. Ever, no. I don't watch any of those horrible movies. But I like. I like the old traditional things that I grew up watching year after year after year. That it didn't feel like Christmas unless you watched them. Which are so like obviously like the Grinch who stole Christmas is a big one for yep. me. I love the Christmas Story, even though not everybody loves that one. I do. I used to love National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Now you know my feelings <laughs> on that. Uh, but my favorite, I think, will always be, and it's so funny because it's still the message of it is still so true. Is Charlie. Brown's Christmas. I love Charlie Brown's Christmas special.
0: I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. Do you remember
1: the first time you saw it? Because I was saying I rewatched it, obviously, to have this conversation. It's now on Apple TV. And I remember, you know, I feel like we're of a similar age. Like you had to wait. It was on one time a year. Yes. You knew what day it was. And I loved they would have on CBS that thing. It was like an intro that said like special and it would like twirl. Yes. And it's like any time I would see that when there would be a special, I'd be like, oh, is this going to be a Christmas thing? Like it's July. And I'm like, is this Charlie Brown? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I totally remember it like that, like because when we were a kid, yeah, it was like it was one night, one night only, and if you missed it, you miss it. And you didn't get to see it till the next year, and I would get so mad at my parents if, like, my dad wanted to watch something else, I'd be like, no. Like, we are watching it. And thank God my mom was like... Like, my mom was always like a perpetual grandma. Like, she just had that grandma kind of energy. So she's like, Carl, the kids need to watch this show. You need to just go away. And so we get to watch it. it. It came out... So this one came out in 1965, this Charlie Brown Christmas special. So it was out my whole life. And I don't know that I, you know, remember a Christmas in my childhood where we didn't watch it. Like, I just... It was one of those things you always watched those movies... Like it was program television. You sat down as a family and we always sat down as a family and we watched it.
1: Yeah. We all watched all of these together. Cause they'd be like this and they'd usually have Frosty yep. the snowman on after it. And then there'd be like one, like Rudolph would be on. And one year I taped them all on the VCR tape. Smart. Like every special I could get my hands on. And she was next to the television with her finger on the pause button so you didn't see the commercials. Wow, that's and yeah, And then I would just watch that VHS tape over and over and over again. And I watched it so much it broke. And then the next year I had to go and like re-record everything. So here's some information for everyone listening at home about A Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, as Romaine said, it debuted December 9th, 1965 on CBS. So it is now currently 56 years old. It was TV's first peanut special and it was sponsored by Coca-Cola. And production on the whole thing took only six months because Coke needed it in time for Christmas. It was finished 10 days before it aired. It was $20,000 over budget. It cost only $95,000 to make. And considering they've gotten 56 years of play out Ooh. of it, girl, they have made that money Serious. back. Because it has a weird tone, which we'll talk about, and the soundtrack was jazzy and there was no laugh track, everyone thought it was gonna be a disaster. But 15 million people watched its premiere, making it the second most popular show of the night behind Bonanza. And it was so popular that it kicked off a whole, all the animated specials that we know and love. The next year we got How the Grinch Stole Christmas. A few years later we got Frosty the Snowman. And so this was really the originator of it. And the soundtrack, which I has my favorite Christmas song of all time on it, um, has subsequently sold four million copies.
2: Holy moly, that's crazy! I mean, the soundtrack alone paid for the special. <laughs>
1: I love a depressing Christmas song. I love Christmas music. I listen to Christmas music for like months on end. I have several playlists, including one that is a depressing Christmas song right. playlist. And the number one song on it is Christmas Time is Here, which is this super sad song where kids are like, crazy. Mm-hmm. Christmas time is here. It's like they're being tortured into having Christmas.
2: Uh, okay. Can I tell you about that song? So when my yes. kid was in yeah. elementary school, they never did Christmas like concerts at my kid's school, and I was always disappointed. But then one year they just did one. Who knows why? And the choir sang that song. Brian, I bawled. I could cry now just talking about it. Like I <laughs> wept. I could. I cried uncontrollably watching all these children sing this song and it brought back like all the memories of my childhood and sitting with my parents watching that silly little special and I mean my wife looked at me like I had three heads she's like what is wrong with you I couldn't stop I just wept
1: I was reading that they wrote the music for the song and they couldn't find a lyricist. And so the producer just wrote the lyrics in like 10 minutes. Just like, Christmas time is here, happiness. And she just like jotted them off. And yeah, I feel the same way. And some queens are all I want for Christmas is you in July, queens. I am a Christmas time is here. And like, sometimes I just need to hear it. Yeah. Feel a little bit of like melancholy but also excitement and then move on with my day so will you tell everyone what the plot of a charlie brown christmas is as much as there is a plot well to i mean it thing. really
2: is uh it, charlie brown is essentially really upset and disturbed by the commercialization of christmas which by the way Back in 1965, this was an issue. I wonder what Charlie Brown would think of Christmas now.
1: I mean. And he literally uses the words, I am depressed. Yeah. It's like, oh, Charlie Brown was aware of his mental health before anyone else in America. Oh,
2: yeah. Totally. A hundred percent. So it really is about that. And then it's about, I mean, that's the gist of it. Charlie Brown is depressed because Christmas has become totally commercialized. People have totally forgotten what Christmas and the season is supposed to be about. And he goes around trying to like talk to all of his friends and and none of them are like, they're all like, what's wrong with you, Charlie Brown? You're crazy. And it's kind of sad in many ways, but... In the end, it does become lovely, and, you know, the Christmas tree, you know, instead of getting the fake aluminum weird ones, you know, they takes this sad, sad Christmas tree that has one branch and suddenly it has many, and I don't even know where the many branches came from. I'm gonna assume it was like my dad. they drilled holes and shoved them in. i
1: was I was just gonna say the same thing, like, yeah, cause. The first, so (laughs) Lucy talks him into directing the school Christmas play. Right, hoping that that's going to,
2: like, fix his Christmas spirit.
1: Right. But then none of the kids want to do the play. They just are, like, dancing. Yeah. Schroeder keeps playing the one song he knows. Like, the one song he knows is that. Do, 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 He knows that song. And he knows Fur Elise from Beethoven. And when we were kids, I was obsessed with this dancing. It's just like a minute of these kids all doing the one same dance move. And there was this one kid and he was in profile and he kind of oh, take yeah. his head out to one side and then take his head out to the other side. And that's what- And like his arms were to old, his and
2: he did like a weird kick thing, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: And to me, that's like how you dance. And so whenever anyone would be like, oh, let's dance, I would do the move from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Because I was like, this is how you dance. This is what dancing is. Yeah, you're
2: you're not Um, wrong. I remember the dancing very well. Because they had some, those kids had some moves. I mean, they were weird moves. Absolutely. But they were moves. And then it makes you wonder, is this really how people moved their bodies in 1965? Or is this just peanuts? But in a way, it's kind of one of the best parts of the whole movie. Like, I love when those dumb kids are dancing. Oh,
1: absolutely. But so they, the kids don't want to do the play. So then Charlie Brown goes buy this tree. There are first like three limbs in it. And then he brings it and there are like six limbs in it because Romaine's dad showed up and <laughs> drilled holes into it. Um, and then the kids are like, Charlie Brown, this is the worst Christmas tree. You're such a dumbass. We hate you. There's Boy, literal bullying you. happening. Yes.
0: What kind of a tree is that? You are supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? I told you he'd goof it up. He's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats! You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. (laughs) What a
2: tree! everybody had a Charlie Brown Christmas tree in their life, like some crappy tree? Because I can think of at least one or two in my life where I was like, oh, that was a bad tree.
1: I lived in New York City for so many years that we, you know, it was like three foot tree central. Yeah. So I've had a million of those trees. Exactly.
2: Exactly.
1: And so our first year in London, uh, I got like a three foot tall Christmas tree. And I've told you about Camilla, my housekeeper, who you love. She loves Christmas. Camilla is obsessed with Christmas. And she brings us ornaments every year. She brings us presents. She brings us Polish cakes. But she was like, one year, she was like, this tree is too small. Next year, you better get a Christmas tree. And then, like, starting in November, she was like, are you going to get a good tree this year? Are you going to get a good tree this oh, year? Oh, she and I tree was like, shamed you. I know. And so I was like, fuck. And I was like, okay, well, now we have to get a big tree for Camilla. So we got like a five-foot tree. And Camilla was like, I'm not impressed, but.
2: Come on, Brian. You couldn't do better.
1: That was the most I could talk my husband into getting. He is not a Christmas person. I mean, if I gave Camilla the box of ornaments and was like, decorate the tree. (laughs) She would do it. She would 100% do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would do it with her. We would have a great yeah, day. Yeah. and, and on myself. on a Charlie
2: Brown Christmas and uh decorate the Christmas tree.
1: Can I tell you something insane? Yes. England never got Charlie Brown Christmas.
2: <laughs> they have been robbed. What is that? They
1: have they have no idea. They watch this thing called The Snowman. Do, have you seen this?
2: I am so offended it's like, right now. I I don't even have words. How do they not they have They don't Charlie have Brown?
1: this. I don't fucking know how you grow up without Charlie Brown Christmas. And English people do Christmas right. But their one Christmas cartoon was on the BBC. It was called The Snowman. And it's about a snowman that, like, takes a kid, like, flying through the sky. And it's, like, orchestrated classical music. And then the snowman melts. And it's really depressing and stupid. It sucks. Oh, that's so... I feel bad for...
2: I feel bad for people there. I know. Because Charlie Brown Christmas is just so wonderfully depressing and wonderful.
1: It's so depressing and it's so true. But then, so after Charlie buys the tree, they make fun of him. And then he's like, what's the real meaning of Christmas? And Linus is like, I'll tell you the real meaning of Christmas. And reads an actual Bible passage.
0: You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown.
1: How did you feel about that as a child, and how do you feel about that now?
2: I don't mind it. I don't think I cared about it as a child like because I, I grew up Catholic so we all knew Jesus
1: was the reason for Same. this
2: season. So that part didn't bother yes. me so much. And even as a, an adult, like it's not like they were like, you know, I didn't feel like they were shoving Christianity down your throat. I feel like they took the elements of like be kind to one another, you know, how we treat each other is what's important and that is the true meaning of Christmas. Like remind us to not be total self-centered jerks. And so I think that In some ways, we especially right now, we could serve to have that reminder.
1: I feel the same way. And as a kid growing up Catholic, Jesus was the reason for the season. And as I've said on this podcast before, my mother wouldn't let us get one of those chocolate advent calendars. We only got the story of Jesus advent calendar where there was no presents. And it was just like the story of Jesus. I can't
2: believe you never got one of those chocolate advent calendars. Those are the best. I love an advent calendar. Never in my life. Even to this day, I English
1: people are crazy about Advent calendars, and they are crazy about a booze Advent okay, calendar. Okay, first of and all, so I'm with like, them on
2: that. A boozy Advent calendar, whoever invented that, was brilliant.
1: Yeah, and so it's like 25 days of gin Advent calendar that you could buy at the Sainsbury's. And I'm like, oh my god, you people are crazy slash amazing?
2: I think amazing <laughs> is the correct answer there. Uh, I love an advent calendar. Last year, I did a coffee advent calendar with my Nespresso machine, and it was amazing.
1: <laughs> this year, I'm going to do a Popper's advent calendar. Oh, okay. All right. So I was reflexively like eye roly about the Jesus part. But like you said, when I rewatched it this time, I was like, oh, here comes the Jesus stuff. But yeah, it's really just peace on earth, goodwill toward right. men. And I think that is a good encapsulation, though from the Bible, of what us as secular practitioners of Christmas can enjoy, which is being nice to each other, recognizing yes. everyone's humanity, trying to pay that forward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah,
2: I agree. I And I think... You know, I know these last few years have been really challenging uh, with the division and just like everyone hating each other and blah, 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 But I do think the holidays serve as a really good reminder for us to appreciate our family, appreciate our friends, to really take a moment and, you know, reflect on the amazing people in our lives and not look at what divides us, but what brings us together, which is we are all part of humanity and we should all truly take care of one another instead of being so mean and horrible. Merry
0: Christmas!
1: On that note, we are going to take a little break and then I'll be back in a minute to talk to Romaine Patterson more about Christmas. And welcome back to 12 Gays of Christmas. I am Brian Moylan, and I am here with Romaine Patterson. And we are talking about a Charlie Brown Christmas, one of the best specials ever. Yes. And obviously, the thing people take from this movie is the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And Charles Schultz said when he was writing the special that he wanted a tree that had the spirit of Charlie Brown, which is... Kind of a lovable loser,
2: I guess. Sad and pathetic, I guess.
1: Like that one, like, squiggle of hair on yeah. his forehead, kind but of it like had the potential. tree has.
2: It had, even the ugliest of trees has potential, Brian. With the right decorations and the right placement of new branches, everything has potential.
1: <laughs> well, and that's what's great at the end. Charlie Brown and Linus finally inspire everybody and they put all the decorations on the tree and it actually looks quite awesome. Yeah. In the end.
2: Yeah. But it also goes yeah. to show that when you actually come together as a community and try to create something beautiful that you can, in fact, do that. And I think that, true is, spirit of Christmas. that is the true spirit of Christmas. Come together, try to create something beautiful as a group of people, and you actually will. Um. So...
1: Romaine Patterson, yes. are you ready to play a little game with me?
2: Uh, I didn't know there was going to be a game, but of course I'm ready to play a game.
1: Always. It's very easy. Okay. It's a game I like to call Delicious Christmas. Okay. And I am going to name some typical Christmas foods, okay. and you're going to tell me if you think they're delicious or disgusting. Okay. The first one is eggnog.
2: Okay. I like eggnog one time. I will drink one glass of eggnog, that's it. I only like one glass. It is better with booze than without, uh, but only one glass. So I like it, but only one glass. Pass that. No, thank you.
1: I i am going to say and if my mother is listening she should shut this off i feel like eggnog is like swallowing a guy's load it's like you think it's gonna be great until it's in your mouth and then you're like get out of here as fast as you can
2: i think there's truth to that and i also think that eggnog smells better than it tastes it's like popcorn i love the smell of popcorn but i'm not always a fan of how it tastes i feel the same way about eggnog it smells better than it tastes
1: what about fruitcake
2: no that's disgusting
1: English people love a fruitcake, and, and I'm into it. I've her.
2: never had a fruitcake I liked. Never. And I've tried many, but I've never liked them.
1: Candy canes.
2: I'm not a huge fan of the candy cane.
1: I love, I usually hate everything rainbow, yeah. but I love the rainbow candy canes that don't taste like peppermint, that taste like fruity flavor. Okay.
2: All right. And I'm do very you, into those. Do but. you suck it to where it gets like the sharpest point ever, and then you try to stab people with it? Because I did that
1: as a kid. <laughs> I mean, as a child, 100%. Now I kind of break it up and like yeah. put pieces in, okay. in my mouth. Uh, the, you know, I got gotcha. you. What about non-binary gingerbread persons?
2: I love a gingerbread. I do love a gingerbread. I have a special gingerbread recipe that I um, got from a friend of mine that has um, like orange zest in it. So it's like an orangey gingerbread and it rocks. It's so good. I make gingerbread cookies every year.
1: What about apple cider?
2: Love apple cider. Love boozy apple cider even more. (laughs) Like, give me some spiced rum in my apple cider and I am in heaven. In fact, one of my saddest Christmases ever I ever had, I was all by myself in New York and uh, all my family was meeting without me and I just got a jug of apple cider and some booze and I just sat at home and got drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a good Christmas.
1: (laughs) One of the things I love about Christmas in New York is they would have those little like Christmas villages. Like there was one on Columbus Circle, there was one in those. Union Square Park. Yeah. Yeah. And I would always know where the apple cider tent was. Oh, and and it if I was, was just so walking. Good. By, yeah. i just buy a street apple cider, maybe an apple cider donut. Yeah.
0: And yeah. That's
1: all I really need. That's yeah, like I'm with oh. you. Um, so there's something that English people love that has made its way to America, okay. and that is the chocolate orange. How do you feel about those?
2: Mm mm. My wife likes no. them, but I'm not into them.
1: Oh, I love it year really? round. I love a chocolate orange. Yes. Mm, okay. Have you ever had English pigs and blankets?
2: No, but those sound yummy. Are they yummy? No, uh, oh. oh, no. Now you've got me questioning it. Okay, what's different about?
1: They're not as good as American pigs and blankets. Mm. Well, so it's a tiny like hot dog sausage. Yeah. But then it's a sausage wrapped in bacon.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. What is bad about that? <laughs> It's just like me on meat. Uh, like if, if everything is better with bacon. Everything. Nothing is <laughs> not improved by bacon.
1: If there were American pigs with blankets that I knew were better, I would probably love these, but I'm like, And I why also is this don't understand why
2: you of all people don't like meat
1: on meat. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Normally, me on meat is my kind of thing. Yeah. Um so there is a Japanese tradition where they all get Kentucky Fried Chicken for Christmas. How do you feel about Kentucky Fried Chicken as a Christmas food? Uh,
2: I don't think I would do it as a Christmas food. I think that seems like an odd choice for Christmas. Now, Derek, my co-host of Derek and Romaine, he enjoys KFC on 4th of July, which I f- totally support. But
1: interesting.
2: Christmas? No. That's for, like, lazy people. KFC on Christmas.
1: Um, I love KFC on 4th of July. That's a good right? tradition. Yeah. I... Personally prefer a Popeye to a KFC.
2: Fair. That's valid.
1: Um, so there's one thing that a Charlie Brown Christmas lacks, Romaine Patterson, Uh, and that is lesbian icon Peppermint Patty.
2: Yeah, I agree. It does lack that.
0: Does your kind ever think about love, Chuck? What do you mean, my kind? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put it that way. No offense. I apologize. Friends... You touched my hand, Chuck.
1: Where's Peppermint Patty? And would you explain why she's a lesbian?
2: Well, she's a lesbian for all the reasons. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the way she dresses, uh, her submissive. Like, everything about Peppermint Patty is I'm an athletic lesbian. The foot apparel, I feel like she's practically wearing Birkenstocks. She is
1: 100% wearing Birkenstocks. Yeah, she's
2: legit straight up just, like, I think she inspired lesbian fashion, frankly. (laughs) Which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But yeah, she's 100%. Everything about her is a lesbian. I mean, what's her name has to call her? Sir.
1: Marcy. Marcy Marcy. calls her Sir.
2: Yes. And Marcy totally wants to be her girlfriend. But I think Peppermint Patty's like, "Mm, I don't know if you're good enough for me. (laughs) She's so mean to her. Well,
1: Peppermint Patty, though the dikiest cartoon character ever, ever is in love with Charlie Brown. So how is she such a dyke and in love with Charlie Brown?
2: I'm well, I'm not sure about that because is it true love? I don't know. Or is she just like one of these closeted lesbians who thinks that they have to be in love with a guy? Like I've known many a lesbian who is married kind of a loser guy. Because they thought that like they needed a beard and they thought they needed to marry a man because that was the expectation. So maybe that's why she's into him because he's a loser. And it's like, well, I don't actually have to make out with him because he's a loser. He's not going to expect it. You
1: know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, Charlie Brown is literally that guy. He's like a loser who marries a lesbian. He's like Ross Geller from Friends. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, would you consider a Charlie Brown Christmas a uh, queer Christmas movie? Mm,
2: I mean in some ways, yes. I th- cuz I think a lot of gay people can really uh understand Charlie Brown cuz he's he his heart is in the right place all the times, but he doesn't always do things the right way and so he gets he gets shit on a lot. I think that gay people we sometimes we do the same thing. Like we're trying really hard, and sometimes it's just not working out the way we want it to. And so, I think the struggle there is a, is one that we can all recognize a little bit. There certainly are some queer-looking characters. I mean, we've talked about Pepper and Patty, but like, there's a there's a boy character. And I can't ever remember his name, but he seems real queer to me too. I mean. There's a couple of them, actually, now that I think about it. So, yeah, I definitely think that when I was a kid watching Charlie Brown, I definitely saw myself in some of those characters.
1: Well, and I think as a kid, I didn't recognize how depressing it was. Oh, yeah. and, but I think now as an adult, you know, especially because Christmas is so much about family and being with your family and some gay people aren't with their, mm-hmm. you know, birth families, you know, so they might feel similar to Charlie Brown, which is all, everyone's so happy around me and all this great stuff is going around and I'm not a part of it. But the holidays and are so. depressing.
2: And I like that I like that this special acknowledges that because some, for a lot of people, the holidays are the worst time of the year because they're alone or they don't feel yes. included for whatever reason. And so, I, you know, as great as the holidays can be, they can also be very sad.
1: I absolutely agree, and I am glad, Romaine, that you are as much of a Christmas person as I. You might be even more of a Christmas person. You should be hosting this damn show. I need mean, try to try to take my gig. I would up never. In here. I would
2: never. You're too good. I could never take your place. Aw,
1: thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here with us to talk about Charlie Brown Christmas and everything else can you tell the people where they can find you?
2: Sure. If people would like to listen to my show, Derek and Romaine, you can go to dnrstudios.com I run a small essentially radio studio here in Manhattan and we have a bunch of different shows on our platform that you can subscribe to. It's super easy. dnrstudios.com is the site to go to.
1: Thank you again for being here. And I would also like to give a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed, rated, and reviewed 12 Gays of Christmas, especially if you told me how handsome I am because (laughs) you are correct. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off The Mess with Samantha Bush, Morgan's Pop Talks, Exposed, Dragged Out, and so many more. Visit thedip.com where you can get more pop culture commentary and analysis. That's the dip with two P's. The second P is for peanuts.com and follow them on Instagram at thedip. Of course, you can find me at Brian J. Moylan everywhere toys are sold and we'll see you on the next episode. Merry Christmas. The shitter's full.